Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, Director of Sales for Bone Adhesives. I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. Rob, we have some very special guests today. Wow, what a day. Yes. This and, is um, huge. This we have an, is huge. This is big, right? This is big. We have uh, t- actually two industry experts with us. One from Laticrete, Joseph Rizzo, and one our very own Frank Coppolino, uh, both out of New York, as it turns out. And uh, Joe, why don't you give a little background about yourself and a little uh, background about uh, uh, Laticrete? It would be my pleasure. So I'm Joe Rizzo. I am the sales director for concrete and substrate preparation products at Laticrete. And what that basically means is that we take uh, bad substrates and we make them flat, hard, and durable. Um, Laticrete's a company that is family-owned, three generations. We uh, are best known for our tile and stone setting products. That's how the company got started, but we've grown tremendously since then. And um, uh, we do, without exaggeration, hundreds of millions of square feet now of substrate preparation around the world through our uh, seven plants in the U.S. and and somewhere in the teens around the world as far as plants go. So I thank you for having me today. Yeah, we're we're very happy to have you. You you bring a lot of knowledge to this, and Laticrete is a great company, and we we'll talk a lot about that because you guys do some amazing stuff and. Uh, a lot of good synergy there between us. And uh, Frank, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Okay, I'm Frank Coppolino, Commercial Specifications Manager for Bona, uh, cover the US and Canada when it comes to dealing with architects, designers, specifiers, and some builders. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Laticrete for the last 12, 13 years. Uh, prior to coming to Bona, I worked for a, an applicator who was the largest applicator in the country and was around for some of the first uh, pump trucks and the newer technology that's used today to pump in uh, self-leveling in these high-rise buildings. So it's it's a pleasure to have Joe on and to be working with his team. Absolutely. And uh, Frank, you made a point early on, so I, I, I could steal this myself, but I'm going to give you credit for it, that we should actually call this episode Under the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Okay. You know, um, a lot of guys in our industry do not like to uh, to get into this arena of leveling subfloors because they think it's difficult. They're concerned about, you know what, it's not something I do that I'm going to get in over my head. So, and, it, uh, you know, talking to you, Joseph, and um, uh, and looking at Laticrete's products, it, it really it is a pretty simple process. Maybe, maybe kind of walk us through some of these, uh, these uh, products that you guys have for this. I would love to. If the process of fixing a substrate using the right products is going the way it should, it should be boring. It should reach the point where the contractor is saying, this is just very, very simple. So I'm going to start with our main product, which is self-leveling underlayment. Then there's a number of different products that go, but this is a product category. So it's a cement-based product. Everything that we make is cement-based. We don't get involved in it with, with gypsum or materials that retain a lot of moisture. Everything we do has the hardness and durability of cement. And you have a product or a group of products that is the consistency of pea soup or even more watery that hardens to something that is many thousands of PSI Uh, often in a matter of hours, and it gets very flat if placed properly, very hard and very durable so that it can accept final flooring easily. Very cool. 
Um, what PSI are you able to achieve with that product? Depending on the product that we're that we're talking about, we can be anywhere from four thousand and above. We have some products that are in excess of seven thousand psi. Wow! And um, the great thing about that is that along with the strength, you get all the other properties. Compressive strength. We're not concrete, and what I mean we're not concrete is we're not being poured eight, nine, ten inches at a time. We're being poured at a fractions of an inch, or even sometimes uh, a little bit over an inch, but the high compressive strength gives you a product that's very durable so even though we're an underlayment and we don't claim that you can use this as a final surface we say very clearly with most of our stuff the construction trades can go over them for a period of one year um, without fear of harming or deteriorating that nice flat hard surface so it gives a lot of flexibility in the schedule so one of the things that, that we noticed with self-leveling materials is we're getting on the jobs earlier, Joe, with them. Um, I noticed that when the core and shell is done, mm -hmm. sometimes the concrete is left raw. It's not power trialed or finished trial. And then the self-leveling crews come in with, Laticrete's got some beautiful pump trucks that can pump 50 stories in the air, hundreds of bags an hour through these silos. So what they do is they take that raw concrete. And if you could imagine that, that thin layer over the top of it, making it flat enough to receive any of these finishes. And then the carpenters come in after the fact and lay their tracks and put up their walls. It just makes the whole process in the build go a lot faster. And then our trade comes in, whether it's wood flooring, vinyl, uh, carpet, whatever it is, and they already have a substrate that's flat enough and all those benchmarks are hit. And it just speeds up the whole process on the job site. It really is a wonderful thing. I remember when I started, everything was was done by hand. And I was around for the build and design of the first pump truck. When I saw Big Red go for the first time, mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, what took a team of 20, we did with a team of five. Hmm. Just incredible. Frank, what's your title again? Commercial Specifications Manager. I always wondered what you did. I know you're around. I know you do a lot. I always wondered what it was. Yeah, in layman's term, it's chef, cook, and bottle wash. A little bit of everything. And you do it well. Thank you, Jeff. Well, so when uh, one concern when around um, uh, self-leveling uh, products is that is the moisture. So how does the moisture affect this the, in the in the in the scheme of things, Joe? So I'm going to give a little bit of a preamble to that. Um, to tack on first to what uh, Frank was talking about, um, and, and that'll help us launch right into the moisture aspect of it. So you can think of self-leveling of a concrete slab or wooden substrate in two different ways. There's two different worlds in which this process lives. Uh, one is the new construction world that Frankie was just talking about. Um, huge, massive trucks, multiple story high rises, perfecting the slab without the traditional methods of finishing concrete. But to make sure that everyone understands, we also live in a world of renovation where somebody's 500 square foot living room or 1000 square foot office has been around for 50 years and the floor is being torn and the new one is being put down. And the only real way that you can do it um, without absolutely removing the entire substrate and replacing or using multiple layers of plywood and so forth is using a self-leveling cement. So we're, we're very happy that we live in both the million square foot structure, but also in, in Mrs. Jones' 
200 square foot bathroom where product is still mixed by hand, where product is still um, is still used as a patch, uh, not just a way of changing the construction industry through some very large pumping delivery systems. How does that tie into moisture? Regardless of new or old, we're going to get moisture either coming up through a slab, coming up through the ground and so forth. Our stuff is 100% relative humidity tolerant. That is not to say, however, that it is a moisture barrier or a moisture mitigation system. So we get the floor flat and hard, or the slab flat and hard, <clears throat> excuse me, but then we, um, we allow moisture to pass through. If it's a tile system, that's just fine because tile systems are also passed through. If it's a glue that can take that much moisture and the floor is impervious to it, that works as well. Some situations still require the use of moisture systems like, like you guys make, like we make. Um, so uh, we have ways of dealing with moisture in all its forms. So you can pour this on a wet concrete floor? If you're going to use an epoxy moisture mitigation system, which is a two-component epoxy that can take 25 pounds of moisture vapor transmission, can take 100% relative humidity and 14 pH, um, which is how basic the concrete is, you can go over concrete that's five days old. You can also go over concrete that's five days old with one of our cement-based leveling systems. However, you won't be able to put flooring over the top of it afterwards simply because unless we know for a fact that without the moisture mitigation, the floor can take that level of moisture. Right. So in a traditional high-rise or multi-use building, which we know a lot of the, the people listening today are doing the smaller home renovations, but in a high-rise project where they're shifting or pouring these slabs in a couple of days per floor, once they're able to get on it, they can actually cap the floor with self-leveling while the slab is still green. And the, the whole system is curing together. Now, keep in mind, the flooring is not going right on, on top of this. But you still have other floors that are going up. You have walls being built, sheetrock, HVAC, electrical, the whole thing, before it's time to get to the flooring portion. And by then, you're past the 30 days. You can probe the slab and do your RH test. It's three for the first thousand, one per thousand after that. Um, and since it is underlayment, when we're doing those probes, we're going to probe into the slab itself, 40%, not into the underlayment. But it allows you the time. It speeds up the whole cycle of the building process so that the slab is ready for you when it is time to do the flooring. So you, you mentioned the word uh, there I want to talk about, um, benchmark. So uh, let's say uh, it's, I'm in a house. It's 1,500 square feet. First floor, it's, a, it's concrete, and um, you know, goes around a kitchen, goes around a wall, and what have you. And it's, it's you know, areas are on, not level. How do you know that you're getting it all level? When you when do you know when to stop pouring, or when do you know that you've got it level? Is are there benchmarks you put out there? You do you use a, a a level and 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 mark them? How do you do this? So there's a number of different ways that you can do it, and it all depends on on the structure itself. So let's take the example that you gave where you have different rooms and there isn't an architect that tells you you have to set a benchmark because there isn't, let's say, an elevator as you might find in a high-rise building where that is an absolute benchmarked level that has to be met. 
So then you can decide that you make the floor flat instead of level. And the difference between flat and level is exactly what I just showed you with my hands and my arms, local modulations versus a slope, okay? If you only need flatness, you, you can you can decide, you can pick up benchmark on a wall that can be measured by a laser. It can be measured by a some type of a hydraulic system. We have something called the NIV comp, where you put a story pole down and it gives you a digital reading versus someplace else on the floor. And then there's the super old fashioned way, um, which is you can decide that as long as you're putting enough material down to cover your highest spot, you don't want to spend a lot of time being precise measuring. As long as you put enough material down that you know you're covering the highest spot, you can then take something called the gauge rake, which just as the name implies, it's no different than any other type of mechanical gauge mechanism. And you pull the material and it comes to the preset thickness. The chance that you're taking there is that you didn't put enough material down to cover your highest point on the floor. What were those little things you used in the school? You were showing us they were they look like a golf tee. They they look like a golf tee, and they are we call them level pegs. The the older way of of marking down the measurement that you made with your laser would be a pin that was shot. And in Ramset style, where you shot it through the floor so that you had a piece of metal sticking up from the floor that you then clipped with a pair of pliers along some notches. We've made the process a lot easier, and a lot of other people have too. You used a plastic level peg that is marked like a little ruler. The ones that we use are either three inches or four inches high, and they've got an adhesive on the bottom. It's a T-shaped item, so the base is the short end of the T. And then you have the little ruler coming up from the top, glues right down to the floor. And especially if you prime the floor, they stick tenaciously. And then you simply can just cut them right on the pre-marked settings. Well, the first time I ever did one of these, I, I came out of being a carpenter for four years, or an apprentice, and I turned out to be a journeyman. I did, I did a floor where I had a level, level of the floor, or flatten the floor, we'll say. And um, uh, we shot, we used a, a laser and shot, shot grade on it. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and that was the old fashioned way of swinging around and shooting grade, find a high point, whatever. It's so much easier now than, than it was back in the day. It was effective. It worked, obviously. But um, your system now is pretty damn slick and um, so much easier to use. And just, man, it just it really takes all the stress out of doing this type of work. Um, Rob, watch now while I break both their hearts. Watch me break both our hearts, Rob. Are you sure? No, we're, we, we, we should zoom in on them both because this is going to Shouldn't we hurt. get at least halfway? Well, I think this is good. Okay, here we go. You guys are you guys are both out of the Bronx? Fight God forbid. They broke. See? Brooklyn, Bronx. Okay, all right. No, no, don't no, say that. No, no, no. You can't say, well, Brooklyn, Bronx, same thing. Say, say, uh, okay, okay. Staten okay. Island is the same thing. Okay. All right. For all you New Yorkers. I have it on very, very good authority. And I thought for the, for the longest time that the best pizza was, was made in New York. And I, I watched the Netflix special and realized and learned that the best pizza being made today, and I include Italy, include anywhere in the world today, the best pizza is made in Phoenix, Arizona. I saw the documentary, Frankie. Let me go first and then you can supplement. Yeah, please. Okay. <laughs> 
let's clarify something first, okay? Okay. Pizza is thought of as an Italian food. Mm -hmm. It was invented by Italians in Brooklyn. So, I mean, sure, you could do remakes and retakes, but let's keep that in mind. I saw the same special on Netflix. Yeah, it was a nice uh, documentary. If you like four layers of artichokes done in the Arizona sun, (laughs) it's specifically 105 degrees so that you can get your, your artisan hipster feel. It's a great piece of pizza. If you want to enjoy a piece of pizza, come to Frank in my neighborhood and have some pizza. I already invited Wayne over. Next time he comes, we're going to do a tour of every, not only pizzeria, but every Salamaria in the area so he could taste what real food and real living is like. This is why I have this little pot belly that'll never go away. Okay. Make, make sure you get him a real bagel, too. We we have one of, one of the fellows on the on the team. Bill Urban lives in Chicago, and he's constantly trying to tell me that their deep dish pizza is better than New York style pizza. First of all, if it's in a deep pan like that, it's a casserole. It's not a pizza. You can't <laughs> lift it up with your hands and you eat a knife and fork. Disqualified. Bread lasagna or something. Well, or something weird. Well, Joe, you're you're. It's interesting because the guy uh, Chris Bianca is the uh, is a guy in in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. That opened that restaurant there and um but he is a new york guy he is from new york and um actually that made me so damn hungry watching that show about uh, it was <laughs> oh my god the pizza was at they, they elevated you know it used to be fast food it was elevated on a whole nother level so anyhow i'm way off track all, all, ki- all kidding aside i saw the documentary and it looked yeah. it looked amazing it's 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 fun to have fun and much love yeah. to the residents of arizona yeah no doubt no doubt. Truth be told, it's all about using the, the right ingredients. If you use the cheap stuff, it's not going to be as good. <laughs> yeah. Quality well, cheap. That's it. Yeah. And the yeah, water yeah. does make a difference. Uh, yeah. That's uh, weird that it, and the grain too, uh, uh, the, that they make the flour out of. I was surprised, man. Anyhow, sorry. Um, so, uh, Joseph, what, what does a good, what does a successful project look like? So I'm going to repeat something that I said before. The process looks boring, right? Um, I'll take it through very, very quickly. Um, material material arrives. It gets mixed either by hand in specialty mixers like pro mix stations that we make or hippos, or it gets pumped. The material comes out in a very liquidy, flowable phase. When it lays out, it lays out flat where you can sort of tilt your head and just look at the reflection of the light when it's still wet. It's not a reflective surface, obviously, once it dries. And then once it dries, you have flatness levels that far exceed what was specified for the concrete slab or or for the wooden substrate. Um, And you have a durable surface that can be walked on that that the flooring trades can then put any kind of floor and any kind of adhesive, pre- preferably Bona, um, that, that, and it will work. So the successful project makes the, makes the installer of the flooring feel like they are going over the easiest floor that they've had, the easiest substrate that they've ever had to work with. There's nothing worse than fighting a subfloor. You know what? And that 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 pang of regret 
that and I should have I should have leveled this or and and I I keep saying leveled and really in our industry we really should say flat right I mean we're often not trying to get to sub four level and that can that word can get you in a lot of trouble so in contracts and stuff like that I think we're probably better to say flat but there's there's anybody who's ever had the pang of regret that man that's I, I I just wish that we spent more time on the substrate uh you know if you look at the cost of this pretty inexpensive way to do it uh and 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 it sets you up for success there's nothing worse than starting like rob is finding out his sub 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 floor in his house is all apparently trashed and destroyed because of years of neglect um so he's having to have that redone i can't Um, wait to do it yeah ask frank i was like a little kid at the class i was like oh my god this is gonna be awesome i'm gonna be the man Hey Frank, uh, Joe, what uh, what are some of your no go substrates? We're constantly reevaluating what our no goes are. So up until very recently, we said that um, rubber like sound mats are no go to go over because you're putting a, a a stiff material of high strength over something that's compressible. But we did field testing and lab testing, and we found that in many cases, you can actually go over some of these sound mats. Um, however, that, that is one of the original no-goes. The real no-go, if any, if any substrate has a flaky, powdery feel to it, where no matter how far into it you dig, you keep getting powder, that would be one. And it's not even that it's a no-go. But that would be one that you would either use a specialized material or laugh. But we don't have any real no-goes. We just have special processes and cautions for even the, the, the hardest applications. And if I can do a, a, just, just a little bit of a specific job, we're in the process of doing the Waldorf Astoria at multiple inches thick, um, the, the, the original Waldorf in New York. And it was deemed that this was a no-go substrate. And we went and we evaluated and we tried three different ways of doing it. Two different primers with different thicknesses and also using lath and not lath. And we actually found that given the thickness, this substrate that was powdery and chalky and I don't know how many decades or a century old, um, with uh, sleepers embedded in it, with metal track embedded in it, we found that with the right combination of primer and thickness, it ended up being a no-go. And it's been a year and th- that project is still going. Awesome. It wound up being a go, is what you meant to say. Not a, not a no-go. Right. So, and, and I'm happy Rob brought up the question about the substrates. We've been talking a lot about cement or going over cement. But you can't go over plywood because a lot of these renovations, these homes, they're they're made of wood. And we've all been there where we had to demo the whole thing down to the studs and try and level everything up and then put new plywood down and all that. But you can go directly over plywood, can you? We have a product where you can go directly over plywood as little as a quarter inch, no lath, no mesh, nothing, no mechanical attachments, and it works very, very well. We can also go over wood that's even more challenging than exterior grade plywood. We can go over uh, OSB, 
And I, I'm not going to mention any brands, but there's a there's a brand of OSB that's totally waterproof that many people say you should not go over because it's so non-absorbent. Um, and we can go over that. So yeah, we do a lot of testing over a lot of different substrates. So if I get a, a somebody does, because uh, I know we've run into this a lot and we have to, you know, do all sorts of buildup of plywood and everything. Somebody puts an addition on and we've got, a three-quarter inch gap between the addition and the other subfloor. We could ramp your stuff. We make patching and ramping materials. So as the name implies, even though it's not level, they are self-leveling, though. They're self-flattening. So they don't like to keep a ramp. The self-leveling materials, maybe they'll keep a quarter inch every 10 feet, but they want to go towards flatness. However, we have trowelable patches and trowelable skim coats and, and repair materials that can be ramped up uh, to a quarter, uh, three quarters of an inch, inch, two inches, whatever you need in as short a space possible to make that ramp. You know what I'd like to do? Um, you know, we're going to do another Latticrete school coming up in December, first week of December in Texas. I would really like to build a small panel where we had that difference, that three quarter, because that's one of the things that a lot of floor guys have run into is, you know, trying to build that ramp. And if it's that simple where we could just spread a patch and then glue over it, my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'd like to show that at one of our schools. We discussed that after the last school about teaching guys how to ramp material and maybe polish the material or even how to make a screed so that they could pull the material and leave enough gaps so that the finished flooring is flush with the adjacent area. So I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about at school number two. And, and do we want to talk about that at all? I mean, we're. Yeah, we're that. That's uh, that's why we had Joe on. So what's going on? I mean, Joe, do you want to kick it off and explain what, what this is all about? So. Somebody's used the word synergy before, and that's exactly what it is. The two companies sort of have come together in a way where we found a lot of common ground. And one of the best things that we found that we could offer the industry is combined training between the expertise that we have in, in creating good substrates for final flooring. And oh, my God, I was blown away by how good you guys are, not only technically and technologically but your skill set for putting down a wood floor and making it look amazing i almost dropped some brooklyn ease in there because it's I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating guys i was truly impressed watching the whole process from glue to placement of floor to joining of edges to to the finishing and the, i mean it was to somebody who knows flooring from a little bit of a more functional perspective, which is which is what I know, to watching the magic that you guys do with wood, it was it, it was impressive. So now that we've blown smoke into our nostrils, um, we we had uh, this training that we both got to show off our areas of expertise, and we were able to um, go from the substrate 
all the way up through to the final finished floor in a in a three day very comprehensive training course that was that was hands on and and we learned a lot from it and the next one is in Texas in the beginning of December I'm not going to give the dates because I'm not sure if we're 100% set on the dates um but it's it's going to be in the beginning of December and we learned a lot from the first one we learned things that we can do better like showing off the fact that we can do ramping um and 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 making an even more um uh all encompassing environment where every single contractor that's there is going to get their hands on a tool uh for for the self leveling for the patching the ramping and the skimming and and of course everything that you guys have done all along um with uh with your partners yeah and i don't want to be a stickler here but i i was the one to use the word synergy not a, not a big deal <laughs> all right a, fine fine okay <laughs> so joe when does it make sense to use a self-leveling versus a travelable skim code or a, a a patch that one is actually an easier one than most people think because there seems to be a lot of confusion well when do i switch over why do i need to trowel you know and, and it's not a function of what the floor uh, you know, some great big mystery. Now, it's simply this. If you've got a piece of plywood that's as a substrate, that's pretty good, but you just need to skim over the top of it at a tiny fraction of an inch at a 16th of an inch where you want to pull something as tightly as possible, go ahead and use a skim coat on that. Um, if, if you're looking for an eighth or more and it's a larger space, generally it makes sense to go self-leveling. But what you you generally don't need to have to worry about anything transferring through the wood, right? It's not going to telegraph through. But when they're doing a a carpet or especially a vinyl that's thin enough or a sheet vinyl, that's when you would maybe do multiple coats of a skim coat type material so that that grain of the wood floor or the pattern of whatever's beneath it does not show through the floor. And Rob wanted me to ask that, but he was too embarrassed to ask. So I... He texted it to me on the side. I did not. That's a lie. No, that's a lie. How dare you? Guys you guys are too much fun. <laughs> uh, I saw the the pictures from the school. I, I wanted to be there so bad. And as, as you guys know, and Joe, maybe you not know as much as, most, as much as these guys do, but I'm very, very important. And I have so many places to go. And and if they can't land the helicopter close by, I'm 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 not showing up. But I the pic the pictures from the school that you guys did was phenomenal. I mean, the turnouts you guys had, the pictures you guys, I wish I was there so bad. I won't miss the Texas school uh, because it looked like just too much damn fun. And you guys did the herringbone floor that you alluded to when it was done. And, uh, and uh, um, Michael Dittmer was there and Michael Dittmer is such a great instructor. Uh, he's such a great asset to, to any school he, he goes to. He, he just has nothing but value. So with your guys' expertise and with Rob there and helping with the sanding and everything and his guidance and, uh, and uh, Michael Dittmer uh, training the guys on, on, and I love the fact that, okay, so explain how to do a herringbone and how to find exact center of the herringbone floor, lay it out, and then take a power drive and then erase all the marks off the floor and then say, okay, now you guys figure it out. And then had, and, and everybody worked together as a team and uh, they got it done, and they and they uh, laid out the herringbone. It was three hundred some odd square feet. Rob, am I right? Uh, just yeah, around that. Yeah, 
And I just did that by eye, looking at the picture. Well, it, it's unbelievable. You, you are who you are. I mean, that's why you're yeah. a director, and we're not. Thank you. So, are you a director? Speak for yourself. I'm a director. You're yeah. a director too. Oh, oh God, snap! Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. 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 You know oh, what? I should be. Total. My picture should that. be down with Frank. Yeah. And, and <laughs> up there. On my screen, I'm up here. Yeah, oh, there you okay. yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm actually level with Wayne, but he's my boss. Yeah. So way above me. The uh so the self-leveling, Rob, the way it worked out is you you, you leveled down in the in the screen. <laughs> okay. I get it. Joe, you know, I do have a question. You know, God forbid I have a question about self-leveling, but I, I do have one. Um, let's say I self-level three quarters of an inch. When can I get on it and start gluing my floor down? Depending on the material, you can go down as soon as 12 hours on a moisture-sensitive floor. A moisture-insensitive floor like tile, you can go down as soon as you can walk on it. So let's call it three hours to be safe and conservative. But even a moisture-sensitive floor, you can go over it in 12 hours or more. And it depends on the product. Some are 12, some are 16, no, some are as much as 48. But that's it. That's the range. You're... Fast. So you're within a day, even with. Oh, yeah. With oh, yeah. Wood. Even okay. with wood. And we're not dependent on thickness. And I say that because it's important to realize that we're not depending on moisture evaporating into the air. There's an actual reaction where the cement is getting harder and it's using up its water. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a little slower if there's a lot of humidity. But the thickness, because we're not depending on drying, doesn't really increase the amount of time before you can put down a final floor. That's interesting. <laughs> if I were going to do this in two lifts, Joe, let's say it was like inch and a half or whatever, and I decide to do this in two lifts. Uh, well, actually, number one, would that be the correct way to do it? And number two, um, how long would I have to wait between? So. If you were asking me on a job site, I would encourage you to do it all in one lift because it's simply easier that way. You don't have two steps and there, we've, we've got products that'll go up to three inches. If wow. you need to pour more than three inches, okay. yeah, there's, another there's, problem. Yeah. there's, some, there's something going on. <laughs> yep, yeah. There's something bad going on. Yeah. <laughs> but having so, said that, there is a time, some, sometimes you have to go in lifts. Let's say you've got two inches. You may want to do an inch and a half. And then if you want to get a super smooth, super flat surface, it's much easier to control a half inch pour than it is a, a two inch pour because you've got a lot of gravity there. So yep. then go ahead. You look like you wanted we've, to follow up. When we're doing, let's say you're in Manhattan and you're doing a penthouse apartment or something ultra high end with a lot of millwork and no base with a little half inch re reveal around the entire apartment. We'll do, a, a, we'll pour it first. We'll uh, do the first lift, leave it a half inch low, pin it again, and then you'll hit those points a little bit tighter if it's that critical. But most of the time you can do it in one. But yeah, gosh, to be able to pour that much thick in one pass is awesome. Uh, the nice thing too, when you are, when you do have to go in layers or where you want to go in layers, if you get it within six hours of the initial pour, you can do it without using primer between the two layers. Okay. Maybe even yeah. as much as eight hours, depending on the temperature. Nice. It's easy. 
Yeah, gosh. So, you know, for, for like I said, um, for guys that don't do a lot of self-leveling and are concerned about it and, you know, don't do a lot of slab work or whatever and get, get on the job, and especially, you know, look what's in style now. These herringbone floors, and that's why we did a herringbone at the school. Herringbone floors are very much in style. Chevron floors are very much in style. God help you laying one of those floors on a substrate that's not flat. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, your pattern can walk so fast on you and you'll fight that job the, the whole time. And um, it's so much easier now with, with a process like this. I mean, you, your company is so impressive. Uh, we, we looked at your company a lot and, and I mean, we joked around about synergy, but it, it is really true. You, you, we're very similar in that we, we put a, a, a lot of emphasis on training our, our companies and uh, you guys are first class man and, and uh, everything you do is very impressive. And uh, so uh, I, the, 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 I think these schools are gonna be very successful for us and uh, it's exciting to see where it's gonna go. Yeah. And one, last, one thing to mention is that we've tested our products together. So we know that our adhesive line and the late, late accrete self-loving line will work together. Even their vapor barriers and ours are compatible. So that if you're doing a project, a large enough project, then you need to make sure that there's a full warranty from substrate to finish. You can now get letters from both companies showing that the products are compatible and you have a full system warranty there. Yeah, good point. These are some exciting times for Bona training, I'll tell you. I said that to the class and I said that to uh, Frank when we were there, or Joe. No, you're not Frank Rizzo. I could be if you want me to. Joe Rizzo. Don't, I don't make me come oh, over. Wayne there. and I were both saying, <laughs> don't make how me many come times over. am I going to blow this? And I just did. But I just remember sitting back and watching this going, I, this is unbelievable for Bona. I mean, you know, we're the kings of sand and finish schools, but now we're doing install classes. But we're taking our install classes even a step further than just a normal install class teaming up with you guys. So, and these are some exciting times for us. Yeah. The feedback was great. A lot of the guys just said, how do we get more of this? When are you coming back again? Because to learn the prep side of it, and then we did some intermediate or higher end install techniques. It, it was great for them. And in the next school, from what I understand, Rob, you wanted to do multiple panels. So we'll have a larger panel, maybe several smaller ones, and we could show different finish techniques, maybe. Yeah, that was now. what we were going to do at the next school is go with the large main panel where the Ladder Creek guys do their demos and then go farm out to your own little eight by eight panels and actually get your hands dirty using these levelers and the uh, patch and things like that with a Ladder Creek guy by your side coaching. Kind of like how we do the bonus schools. We show you a little bit and then get you out there and we kind of coach you through it. Hands-on, you know, a true hands-on thing. So, uh, you know, I'm really, I just couldn't be more excited to, uh, you know, be doing these classes. I just think that there's so many things that you know, so many things I, I know me personally have walked away from in the past just because didn't have the knowledge, didn't really understand it. And it's like when Joe said, it's boring. I was watching the guys, you know, laying that first one down. I'm like, this is it. This is really all you have to do. This is this is nuts. Yeah. So I think one of the big things on that next school is everybody's going to get dirty. Everybody will be 
doing the hands-on, you know, I'm looking forward to it. We are super excited. We are, first, let me say that I was humbled to to hear experts of your caliber. And again, I'm I'm not exaggerating this. Bone is such an impressive company, and you guys do things so well. So thank you for your words. And, and, and it's good to be working in partnership with a company that two companies that have the same value systems, right? It comes down to value. Yeah. It comes down to, and I, when I say value, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about our values to want to get information in the hands of the contractors so that they can perform their jobs easier and better with our support. And with both the companies being able to support those contractors. I, I mean, yeah, you want to talk excitement off the charts. Uh, Frank and I had a, um, uh, a, a, I can't remember if it was a Teams or a Zoom meeting um with with my boss and our product manager um and and this was one of our uh this was this was our our vp uh of 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 marketing and and all sorts of other functions that he had sean was so excited after we spoke at the at the potential of of how um of how we can work together and when you were on that meeting too right yep yep, yep. I was just going to say, was, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that Wayne had to be at this meeting, right? I was saving mm -hmm. the best for last. I, oh. I wanted to set it up as yeah. if it was there only me and Frankie. Yeah. So yeah. then I can yeah. say, but what really made it special was that Wayne was there. Uh, this is so nice of you. So, Joseph, how can people get a hold of you for training, for, for, for later creative? If you have questions, you guys are super accessible. Uh, for if they have any technical questions anybody needs, how can they get a hold of you guys? If there is a platform that we can't be reached on, I would be surprised from yeah. the traditional phone. And I will, um, uh, I'll be more than happy to, to give my cell phone number right here. Um, it's 475-228-2020. Um, but by email, through our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm the LinkedIn guy. I, okay. I visit LinkedIn pretty often. So yeah any pretty much any way we can be reached okay rob linkedin is like a professional uh uh salesman sales, hey, I'm, uh, I'm on linkedin i'm constantly okay. looking for a job okay all so right I'm, I'm on linkedin i get it <laughs> hey listen i got joe i got the most important question of the whole show is it latacrete or latacrete oh you were saving that one huh <laughs> The company was named after two words, latex and concrete, because that's how we got into business. That's what our founder discovered, that you can take liquid latex, mix it with cement products, and reduce the thickness of tile-setting mortars from something that looked like this mm. to something that now looks like this. So it's actually latacrete. However, if you want to call it latacrete, 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 mm. as long as you try us out and give us a fair mm. shot, we're not all that picky. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> all right, is there any questions we haven't asked you, Joseph, that we get off here and you go, oh, shoot, we should have talked about this? Just just one thing, and, and that is I cannot overemphasize how easy it is that the contractors should not look at a substrate prep job and say, I, I don't even want to tackle it. I don't understand it. Um, between between Latacrete and Bona, 
we can teach you so much that you can be all inclusive of, of the work that you perform. Um, and if it truly is a project, so let's say you don't want to do a hundred thousand square feet, your, your, your first shot out, but you may want to tackle it as bidding the project. And we can certainly help find the right subcontractor partners uh, pretty much in any part uh, of, of the country or the world. Uh, I'm just concerned with the U.S. and Canada. Um, so that's it. It's easy and it doesn't finish like concrete just because we're talking about cement and and, and different tools and so forth. It really does find its flatness, sits there and minimal, minimal um, treatment needs to be done. Awesome. Good stuff, man. I'm so excited when I when I knew we could get you on here, Joseph. Uh, you you bring so much knowledge to this, and uh, and uh, uh, so I, I think the guys will get a lot out of this. And I'm looking forward to the schools together. And uh, I really don't ride around a helicopter, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, can't wait to go to the school in uh, in Texas. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, maybe we get down there. We won't we won't ever have to argue. It makes a good bar- best barbecue. That should be in Texas. So uh, agreed. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you there, Joseph. And and Wayne, first of all, let me say that I'll swing by and pick you up in my helicopter, and I'll, I'll get the red carpet uh, oh, ready you for go. you. <laughs> but guys, what a pleasure! What a joy! Thank you so much. Truly appreciate being here, and more than that, truly appreciate you guys, your company, and 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 working with you. Um, it's 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 a privilege. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And uh, Frank, thank you for making time. I know we got you on short notice, Frank, and I appreciate you making time always. Uh, Frank Copolino out of New York, Rob Johnson out of Boston, but he's all over the world training. And so thank you guys. Appreciate making time. I really do. Uh, I enjoyed this. So thank you. Thank Take you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob and Joseph Rizzo and Frank Copolino. Please stay tuned for another episode. Oh, yeah.